Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad that you have decided uh, to worship with us. It really is a privilege to, uh, to be together and to uh, really hear from God, and that's what we, we set our time aside uh, in this gathering, to, to really ask God to, to speak to us, to uh, meet us where we are in life with what that we face. And today we're launching a new series, as you can see here, uh, called Snap. And the tagline is avoiding uh, really costly decisions, hasty uh, decisions. And that's how life hits us a lot of times. There's, there's pressures uh, that build. And in those pressures are when the decision-making process is, is the most uh, crucial. And in the pressures of life where we feel like things are kind of coming at us from all sides, uh, and then above us and below us, like we just feel like we're getting pressed, uh, we tend to make some of the decisions that can impact us really for the rest of our life. So in this series, we're looking at how do we make decisions in a way that will not cost us in the long run? Um, So I want to just start with a question. Have you ever made a decision in your life, and even to this day, you look back and you think, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that? Anybody? Yeah. So if you raised your hand, you come up and you're going to share that decision. (laughs) All of us have that, right? There's, there's decisions that even now, even if it was decades ago, we can look back and say, man, that was a really maybe stupid decision. That, that cost me, that cost others. Uh, decisions have such a weight to them, uh, to all of us. Now, another question is, do you find yourself taking so much time to make a decision that sometimes it's not even a big deal, but you just take so much time what should I do? How should I do it? This is how I feel sometimes when I, my wife sends me to the grocery store to get stuff. And we have conversations. Like, there's certain items that, like, you need to be as specific as possible. Like, if she sends me to get sour cream, I'm like 30 minutes. One, the sour cream is never where you think it should be. And then two, there's way too many types. So I can spend so many times decision making, like, what sour cream? And then, like, there's certain things. I'm just letting you into a little bit of our family. <laughs> This isn't, you know, I haven't even started yet. This is like pre, this is the prequel. Um, there's certain things like when you go to the store, like that you, you always got to get the name brand. Is that right? Like you can't get generic. The problem is that differs depending on the person. So all these things like that, there's certain times where I spend so much time on decisions like that. And then like maybe decisions that impact my life. I'm like, ah, just do that. And I don't spend any time on it at all. That's how life can go. So the idea of this series is, well, how do we make sure we spend the right time on the right kinds of decisions? And then those things that we don't need to spend as much time on, we, we don't. And that actually frees us up to enjoy life. It frees us up to make the most of where God has us uh, here and now. So what I want to do, this is a time for you to just kind of look a little bit internal at your own life, because we're, we're speaking about pressure and the cost of decisions. Where are you facing the pressure right now? Where are you facing the pressure right now. What I'd like you to do, if you're taking notes, you have a pen, you have a phone, you just want to make a note, just where are you feeling the pressure? Like in the back of your mind, maybe in the, your heart, it's weighing on you. There's decisions or there's things going on in your life that, that are giving you pressure. You kind of wake up and you have maybe a knot in your stomach. It's just weighing on you. What are, where are you facing the pressures right now? Just take a moment to think about that. Everybody have one? The reason I'm having you do that is in life, 
where we face the pressure is actually where God uh, wants to teach us. It's in the middle of the pressure that we learn. It's in the middle of the pressure that God wants to get our attention. So we live in a society, in a culture, where it's like you, you run from pressure or you, you try to just get around it. You maybe try to act like it doesn't exist. But it's actually in the pressure with what you're facing in life, with what is really going on, that's where God meets you. He meets you in the pressure. And he wants to teach you. He wants to help you. He becomes more real as we look to him in the pressure. So those things that you're kind of identifying and you're thinking about, maybe they're weighing on you. The good news is you don't have to get past that to hear from God. It's actually in that where you hear from him. It's in the middle of the pressure that you face that you learn a lot about God. You learn a lot about yourself, right and wrong. And then you also learn, how do I make good decisions as I look to God to guide me and to help me? So in the context of what you're facing in real life, I just want to talk about uh, pressures that uh, us as a society are facing. And uh, Cameron, uh, we sang some songs today that I think really did capture a lot of just the feeling like we won't be shaken, but there's a lot that seemed to shake us up. And so you have to keep crying that back to God. You have to keep proclaiming that that's true. We will not be shaken, even though it feels like I'm in a cup and somebody's just doing this. That's how life has, has felt. And there's been a lot of studies on like the past year and a half with the pandemic and the unrest in our culture, just how a lot of the foundation of people's life has begun to crack and crumble. And uh, here's just some stats that I thought uh, just capture what, what's going on. Uh, divorce rates uh, last year, uh, 34% higher than they were in 2019. What I don't know is, are they getting better or are they getting worse? But the pressure is on. And if you think of like pressure and divorce and you think of like the most important relationship that you have, you're married to somebody that you've made a covenant with, till death do you part, like till the end, and people are just in the middle of the pressure, they're just bailing. And it's on the rise, 34% in a year. That's a big increase. Uh, Here's another stat. 75% are stressed out juggling work and home. I think the quarter people they didn't interview, like they couldn't get a hold of. Like, I, I mean, 75 is high. I think that's underselling it. All of us are stressed. You kidding me? Like, you could just write, where are you feeling the pressure? Work, home. And it's like, there, there you go. We all feel that. Uh, here's another one. One in four workers have considered quitting their jobs during COVID-19. You see that. Why? Every place you go has help needed hiring, right? Every place, it seems like. Like, now's the time to get, you can get a job. But people just, they're staying, they're staying home. Uh, here's another one. In 2020, 173,000 more people left California than came into it. That's because of pressure. It's the opposite of the gold rush. It is. There ain't no gold here anymore. They're going to find gold somewhere else. But you think about that in terms of our state. Like, you, you see it. More are, are leaving than coming in, and that's never been known in our history. It's because of pressure. It's because of things that, that people are facing and, and, and sorting through. And so in the middle of the, the pressure, no matter if you can identify with some of these, we, ha- we all, again, have our own pressures. It's in the middle of that where we make decisions, and it's, it's very important. What I want to start out is just warning to all of us, and that is, in the middle of the things that you face and I face, the pressures, be very careful what you do. Be very careful what you say, and be very careful what you think. 
Because isn't it crazy? Like in certain times in life, we can tend to see things maybe not accurately because of the pressure. Pressure distorts. We can't quite see it clearly. Like there's clarity, but then the pressure comes in. It's like becomes fuzzy. I don't know if you've ever watched like an old movie, like before HD, and you look at that and you're like, that is the most blurry movie I've ever seen. It was made in 1989. It's like on the History Channel. (laughs) The only reason we know that is because we see with ultra clarity right now. It's like you see blades of grass, right? But but that's how it is like in, in the pressure. There's just something in us where it can distort and we can be very hasty. And hastiness is this idea of like in the middle of it, I just wanna solve and release the pressure, I wanna solve the problem. Uh, Here's some warnings from scripture related to hastiness. Proverbs 19.2 says, desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. The idea is you have a desire to release the pressure that you're facing, you have a desire to solve your problem, but you don't have accurate knowledge, like you don't really know the full picture. Isn't that so true with how we are? Like we see what we want to see right? Have you ever talked to somebody and you're realizing like, it doesn't matter what you say, they're not seeing it the same way? How is that possible? Because they have desire. They have certain things they want to have have happen. And that's all they see. And the same is true for us. We see that in the same way. Desire without knowledge, scripture just is saying this place, is not good. So anytime it says not good, it's like, it should give you a little warning, like be careful. Because if you you have desire, but you're not really thinking, because all your being fueled by is your desire, uh, watch out. And then it says, whoever makes haste with his feet, go back to that really quickly. Uh, Whoever makes haste with his feet, the idea is like, you have a desire, you see something that you want, and you want it so bad. You ever had that? Like just a burn for something. And the idea is, you know the cartoons where the, the feet just start, they don't make that noise, but that's all I can think of right at the moment. But it's that idea of like, I, I gotta get it, and you start getting churned up, churned up, and then you just take off. Well, the scripture here is saying is like, you missed the way, like you're so fired up with what you want that you don't even see the path and you just run right off the cliff. That's the, the kind of the picture. Uh, here, here's another warning from Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So Proverbs are like the wisdom uh, books of, of the Bible, that's one of them. And, and you see a lot of compare and contrast. It's like, you can look, it's a case study. This, these people approach life in this way and this is the, the result. Others approach life in this way and this is the result. And so at the beginning, the plans of the diligent. So first, the diligent, like I'm gonna keep working hard no matter what the pressure is. That's actually very wise. That helps you in decisions. I'm not gonna bail in my responsibilities. I'm gonna keep diligent and I'm gonna keep planning. I'm gonna keep my head in my life. I'm not gonna check out because of everything going on in my life. I'm gonna stay engaged. For those kinds of people, that they're planning, they're thinking, their head is in the game, they're engaged, and they're diligent. They get abundance. Like there's, there's fruit of their life. There's a harvest that they can reap from that. And it blesses not just them, but many others. And then but everyone who's hasty, again, just wants a quick snap decision. What happens then? They come to poverty. It's like get rich quick. It doesn't really work. You have to build Life, you have to build stacking good decisions after good decisions, good decisions. But this doesn't sell many books. This doesn't really write many movies. These aren't the most dazzling songs. Could you imagine, like, just live your life, be faithful, and it will work out. 
You gonna go buy that? Now, if I would have sung that, I had a good, like, you might have considered it. But that just seems kind of plain, like, yeah, but we want the dazzle. We want the quick fix. We want the explosions. But that, that's not how, how life works. So the hastiness. Now, there's another part of the decision-making process that also can impact us, and that's FOMO. You guys know what FOMO is? It's kind of, you know, we don't see that much anymore. Here's a meme. <laughs> it's the evil emperor. Good, good. Let the FOMO flow through you. In the movies, it's like, let the evil. But there's actually a sense of FOMO, the fear of missing out. It's very powerful. It has a really big pull on us, right? Every day, we actually see things that other people have or what other people do, and there's a part of us like, I want that. You don't say that out loud, but in your heart, I want that. I want that so bad. And then you have social media, and now here's the problem with social media. You see what everyone is doing. In the old days, just, you just didn't know, and that was a blessing. <laughs> now everyone will tell you, even if it's not true, even if it's distorted, because it's probably not real, but you see what you see, and you see what you want to see. But that FOMO has just, it flows through us. Like, I don't want to miss out. I want what they have. And it just drives us to make decisions. All of that impacts us. Hastiness, FOMO, it can be deadly because it leads us off the path. We miss the way. So I wanna do, I wanna spend the rest of the time like talking about, well, how do we actually make sure that we stay on the way? The way is the path. How do we stay on the right path that, that God has uh, for us? And so I'm gonna be speaking uh, primarily, uh, if you're a follower of Christ, you're, you're a Christian, uh, that, that assumes certain things. So what I'm gonna do is, is talk about if you are a follower of Christ, this is what it means. That's that compare and contrast. Like as you make decisions, is that image, like I keep seeing, like I feel like someone's staring at me. <laughs> Maybe go to the previous one. But um, if you're a follower of Christ, that means that you will actually approach life and decisions in a certain way. Now, you, you may hear things and the scriptures may speak to things that it kind of uh, pierces you a little bit. Like, oh, I, I'm not doing that or I'm facing that and I'm responding. Uh, what often happens is that God gets our attention and there's usually a battle within our mind that goes on. God gets our attention. He wants us to address something. And then the enemy, Satan, wants to discourage you and either make you see like you're better than you are or make you feel worse than you are. And it's like, it, it's the two extremes. So that the idea is you want to stay like, okay, God, you're getting my attention. Help me to, to hear what I need to hear and to, to follow through. And then if you're not a follower of Christ, uh, this is to give you uh, some helpful, like here's, here's the guardrails. Here's, if I decide to follow Jesus and I decide to commit my life to him, this is the path that I, that I will walk on. You may not be on it yet, but this is the path that, that, I, that I would go on. So, so let's dig in. The main concern is clear for a follower of Christ. I wanna start with the main concern, and it's this. 1 Peter 4, 2 says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Peter's writing this, and he's saying, we all live life, and he's talking about uh, time in the flesh. It means we're here and we're human, and we're living life one moment by one moment right now. Now, that, that all makes sense to us because we're, we're here, like we're alive. But what he's speaking is, is there's actually this beautiful opportunity that we have to be alive, and in the life that we have, we are making decisions that make an impact. And we don't think about it. We just go through life. 
It could be like a wind-up toy. We just kind of turn it, we keep going, or we pull it and it's just the string and we just automatic. But actually, every moment of the day that God gives us, like there's an opportunity to really make a difference. We make a difference with our, our decisions. We make a difference with how we see things. So what Peter is saying is like, you are living this life right here, right now. And the main concern is this, but for the will of God, what you do in your life should be for what God's will is. He wants you to live your life with him in view. He wants you to live your life headed in his direction, in his way, the way of the kingdom, a different kind of life. And that happens in all the decisions that we, we make. So that's the main concern. But notice he says, no longer for human passions. So do me a favor, really quick. Just think about this, and then I'm gonna have you share. What are human passions? There are some younger here, so keep it like, you know. Thank you. Wow, quick to the draw, Garrett. Money. That's a passion. What else? Food. Amen. What's another passion? Stuff. Materialism. Yep, to get more stuff. Success. Yep. I need to be successful. What else? Power. Yep. Anyone anything else? Toys. It's not just stuff, but cool stuff. <laughs> Toys. Status. Status. How I appear. How I stack up. Now let me ask you this. Do we see those messages in our culture? Okay, we, we see it, right? So what does the culture say about that? That's an important question. What does the culture say about money and power and success and status and toys and stuff? Got to have it all. Not only do you have to have it all, but you deserve it. And if you don't get it, somebody else will. And it builds on that FOMO. So human passions are real. They impact all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. There's stuff in you that drives you for things. All of us. It's the heart. It's our human condition. And all of these things are usually byproducts of this, this sense that we all have, like we're, we're not quite whole and put together. We're kind of fractured. We don't have everything going on that we want. There's like discontent. There's disappointment. We all have that. We could have everything. I, I even experienced this uh, as a pastor. I can have, and, and oftentimes I think the enemy uses this to, to discourage, but we could have like a great day at church, which every time we gather is a great day. We can have baptism and lives changed. And I know it's so fascinating. This happens a lot. The next day after like this Sunday where you were like, God has worked. And I usually struggle with discouragement more than others. Like when everything comes together, it seems like they're still unraveling. You found that out in your life? It just, it seems like that's how it works. Like no matter how much progress you make, it's still something you, you don't have. It doesn't feel quite right. That's that, that the passion, that human just drive for things. And we're always trying to make up for it. We're always trying to f figure out how, how we can get what we want. So the main concern for a follower of Christ, you have to fight that. And it's in all of us. 
It's part of the, the sin that we all, we all experience and we, we deal with the fact that no matter what God has done for us, we still, even if you're a follower of Christ and you decide to follow him, you receive the forgiveness of Jesus, you're still gonna have that pull to get what you want and actually get what the culture says you deserve, even if it may not be true. So the main concern for the will of God, I wanna do things for him. John 4, 34, this is actually Jesus speaking. I love this. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Really interesting. He's talking now about sustenance, like food is needed, like it gives us energy, it helps us to survive, it helps us to move forward. We, we need it. But what Jesus is saying is actually, there's sustenance, there, there's energy, and there's power I have that does not belong to anything made by human hands. When I do the will of God, when I do what God tells me to do, I'm making progress like no other way. And Jesus is saying, like, this is supposed to be normal to us. Now, Jesus did it perfectly. He accomplished the will of God perfectly. We do not. We mess up. We mess up a lot. We mess up every day. But there's a sense, like, we pick ourselves up by the grace of God. We keep moving on. And it's like, God, help me to, to do your will today. Help me to, to focus on what you want. And so a key question, no matter what you're facing, in the pressures is what does God want me to do right now? We live in a time where that kind of seems like that, how does that even work for life? Like that seems like you're not quite with it or you're not relevant to ask that question. But that question is powerful. That could save you. What does God want me to do right now? Even considering it allows you to see that there's more going on than you may feel or that you may see. And it's so important. What does God want me to do right now? And here's the reality. Life should be all about uh, doing uh, God's will. Uh, there's another scripture, uh, John 5, 30. Uh, this is also uh, Jesus speaking. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And he's talking about like, I cannot do anything on my own. Who is that? Jesus. You ever consider that? Well, isn't there a lot he could do on his own? He's Jesus. But he's so surrendered to the God's will and committed to it. He's just saying like, listen, there is no separation. God sent me into the world to save it. I can do nothing outside of that. Like there's this laser focus. My main concern is doing the will of God. And that's what life should be all about. Life should be all about doing God's will. So the main concern, what's the will of God? If you want help right now in your decisions, start with that. Just ask that question. What does God want me to do right now? That can be your main concern. I wanna continue. What's the main characteristic? The main characteristic for a Christ follower, if you decide to follow Christ, is this. I need to keep surrendering to God's will. You'll see that on there. Keep surrendering to God's will. So the concern is like, what is it? What does God want me to do? Now, have you ever faced the decision, and you may ask that question, like, what does God want? 
And then it just seems like there's just, just big vacuum and all you hear is crickets. I have no idea. Well, the concern of knowing God's will is like you, you do have to know it. And so that's where you read the scriptures. That's why we gather as a church, it's this reminder. And we need to do that on our own. We need to spend time in the word asking God to speak to us and he will. And so this decision-making process and getting clarity on God's will happens on a daily basis. And the question you ask, what does God want me to do right now? That happens on a daily basis. But then once you know what God's will, and it's situation by situation, the main characteristic of wise decisions is surrendering to it. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, you may have faced this many times, but have you known that you needed to do something or say something, and like God kind of told you that? Uh, scripture, that's like the Holy Spirit. It guides us. It, it, maybe corrects us, convicts us, and we know we've done something and we shouldn't have, and God just puts his finger on it, like just puts a little pressure, and like, oh, and you just fight God. Have you ever had that? I, I've had that many times where I, I've said something and I know it was wrong, and then God says, you need to make that right, and I'm like, oh, I don't wanna make it right. You need to make it right. I don't wanna, just, I can't, uh, don't want it. And it's like a little wrestling match. Have you ever seen me and I'm just, my face is kinda like, that might be happening. But it's, it's a wrestling match. God tells you something that you need to do, and there's just something in us like, I don't want to do that. And again, we, we do it the right way, we do it the wrong way. And if you mess up and you ignore it, then God, help me get back on track. I need to do what's right. Help, help me to do that. But you surrender to God's will, and actually, a lot of clarity comes. We live in a time now where it's like, we want God to give us the clarity. Show us everything we should do in our life. And what we're really saying is, show what you want me to do, God, and then if I like it, I'll do it. That's actually what, it, what the approach is, and that's for all of us. So it's kind of like, God, show me your plans, and then I'll kind of fix things that I think needs to change. I mean, can you imagine? But that's like what happens in our, in our mind. That's actually what happens in life. It's crazy to think like we would do that to God, the Almighty One who sees and knows everything and knows us more than ourselves and anyone else. But we kind of want to know what he's thinking so we can see if that's in line with what we're thinking. This dynamic's happening all the time. That's actually not how life works. Again, the Lord's Prayer, this is Jesus speaking, Matthew 6.10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this last week. All authority has been given to Christ in heaven and on earth. And because he has all authority, that means his will will happen in heaven and on earth. His will will happen here. And we have an opportunity to know it, and that be our main concern, and then to surrender to it, and that be our main characteristic. Now, here's an interesting kind of scripture, if you followed the life of Christ, you know, he died on the cross for our sins and he knew where he was headed to his death. A gruesome, terrible death that he did not deserve. And he knew it was coming and he was, he was praying in the, in the garden to God in, in Luke 22, check this out. It says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And that the cup is this idea of like this, this sacrifice that I'm about to make, this path, this way that I'm about to walk on. It was literal. Like, I'm gonna walk to this death that's been prepared for me. 
that actually fits inside of your will. And I think this is just to illustrate, like this, this is something that Jesus, he was fully God and he was fully man. We can't quite comprehend that. But this shows you this, this, this struggle of the feeling of, oh, what is this gonna be? He was always gonna do it because the scriptures tell us that, to do the will of the one who sent him. It was never in question. But this is just like, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way, but then notice where he settles the surrender. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's, that's beautiful. Christ settled. But I want to do what you want me to do. The reason I bring that up is we don't face that kind of decision often. Probably never. The, the fact that we'll never probably be killed unjustly and even if we are like, it's not exactly the same because we're still not perfect like Jesus, but there's a sense of like, we, we don't even understand the stakes of life and death. But Christ did, and he still settled like, not, not my will, but, but, but your will. And again, the clarity comes before. If you want clarity in your life and you want God to speak to you, before him say, God, I will do what you want me to do. Just make that decision before. And he'll begin to unfold and make clear his will for you. And oftentimes it's a little bit of a test. I wanna do what you want me to do, God. And so he says, okay, we'll do this. And then you have a test. And you know what happens if you do it? God gives you a little bit more clarity. And God gives you a little bit more clarity. And you keep walking forward, and before you know it, you've actually discovered more of God's will, and your life is different. Because you're living the life of the one who sent you to make a difference here in this life, in the flesh that we have. And we get to understand God's voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's a picture of a sheep and shepherd I just love the, 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 the alignment. There's a sense of like, okay, God, as I do your will and as I commit to doing what you've told me to do, there's a sense of like God will speak to you. Again, all of us want that. We want God to speak to us. We want to hear from him. We want clarity in our life. We want things to make sense. But again, it, the proceeding is like, I will do what you tell me to do. And we can become like these. Now, we don't necessarily want to be like sheep, but that analogy is used a lot define a lot of who we are. But this is the sense of like, we know the one who leads us forward, the shepherd, who will lead us to the good that he has. So I wanna just kind of close out with, how does all of this like pull together? And um, in the end, I'm gonna give you kind of where we're gonna head in the next two weeks, but this will give you, and I'm gonna kind of go through this quick, but if you decide, okay, I, I want to know what God's will is, that will impact your decisions. You're gonna see things. You're gonna have clarity. Then if you surrender to it, more things will become clear, like this is what God wants for you. And, and things begin to open up. You really do see, like there is a different way. And this is the good life that God has. It's not free of pressure and pain and suffering. In fact, it's through that will God will continue to speak to you. 
things will begin to be clear. What I want to do is like just briefly just broaden the context at a little bit 30,000 feet. Well, what does that mean? So setting our goal uh, to do God's will, uh, this is, again, the mark of a Christian. But what, what does that bring? What flows from that? Well, I've already talked about this a little bit, but how we discover uh, Jesus is real. When you do God's will, it's what's really interesting. It doesn't quite make sense. But when you do God's will, he becomes more real because he comes through for you. He meets you where you are. You're not independent from him. You're walking with him. There's this like partnership that grows and you're teeming with God and becomes more real to you. John 7, 17, I won't read that, but there's a reference for you there. Uh, Another is that it's what God's family uh, does. The reason I bring this up is when you make decisions to do God's will, the picture is I I am not going to bail. I'm not gonna run away. I'm not gonna give in to the pressure because God's family, we hang in there. And I've got brothers and sisters in the church, my spiritual family, they're committed to do God's will, I'm committed to do God's will. And there's a sense of like it holds you in place. It fortifies us. That's actually very important. Because the pull in all of us is to bail. We want the release of the pressure. But when you see that this is what makes us family, we do God's will, it fortifies. It's like strengthens who we are. Matthew 12, 50, you can read that as well. It's also characteristic of those going to heaven. Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is a warning to us. It's the sense of like, everyone's gonna claim, there's gonna be so many people that are gonna claim that they know who God is. Lord, Lord, by name, I know you. Back to the shepherd and the sheep. He's like, well, you're, you're not of this fold. I never led you. I didn't speak to you because you did not look to my will nor surrender to it. So it's a warning. We can be easily confused and distorted from the truth. But notice what it says, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. The reason I bring this up is we lack most of the time in our current American culture any sort of eternal perspective. All of our decisions are about here and now. Most of the time, comfort and convenience in addition to those human desires we've talked about. That's the gauge of our decisions. How will that make my life easier? Bring me comfort and then the convenience so I don't have to think about it anymore. That fuels most of the decisions we make. But actually, there's so much more going on. There's decisions that you're making that have an impact on eternity and people are watching. This is not it. If this life is all there has, then our decision would be very different, right? The FOMO would be real because you gotta get everything and suck everything out of this life that you can. The stakes are even higher, and they're really high. But if this is all there is, then you just gotta get everything you can right now. But that's actually not biblical. We're going to forever, all of us, in one of two places, forever in heaven for those who decide to follow Jesus or forever in hell for those who have not. So we're making these decisions with eternity in view. And it's crucial. And we wanna ask the question like, well, how does this impact eternity? 
How does this reflect the kingdom of God? How does this reflect the reality that I don't have to get everything I want from this life because I'm gonna have forever with God? And even disappointment doesn't feel as heavy when you think of eternity. And discouragement can't bring me as low when I think of eternity and how God will make things right. That actually gives a lot of hope. The will of the Father who is in heaven connected to forever. And then finally, doing God's will is rewarded by the Lord. Not only do you get to spend eternity with him, but he rewards us. He's watching. We're living our life out before an eternal audience. And Hebrews 10 says, for what? For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The endurance there is talking about the pressures of life where we started. And now when we're closing, the pressures, what you need is endurance. That means in the pressure, God wants to speak to you and you need to hang in there. The word there is hupomone. You stand under the pressure and God will help you. He will strengthen you. He will bring people around you that will be doing the same thing that will fortify you. And he will take care of you. If you make decisions with eternity in view and not just about this life, there's this reward like God will take care of you. He will make sure that the longings that you have that you're not sure you're gonna get if you do his will, he will give you far greater than that. Because eternity in his kingdom far outweighs anything this world has to offer. We don't hear that. We don't think about that, but that is true. And that's the promise. So we discover God's will by asking the right question. What does God want me to do? And here at Ridgeview Church, we want to help you discover God's will. What that means is you may need to learn things that you don't know. You may need help in decisions and getting counsel. So the idea of decision-making process is you, you need to bring people into your life that can speak into your life. That also is not that popular in culture today. It's like you live your life however you want to do it, as long as it makes you what? That's terrible advice. Because you know what makes us happy? Human passions. That's what makes us happy. It's actually not true. We actually want people to live their life in view of God's will for them, not what makes them happy. Now, will they experience that? Yes. Just like Jesus said, I'll have a greater energy and vitality than anything else by doing the will of God. So I wanna just end with some next steps. This is making sense so far. Setting it up, main concern the will of God, the main characteristic, I'm gonna to surrender to it. And then here, here's kind of what happens as we do that and those characteristics. And you, you can spend some time kind of reading those scriptures. I've, I've gone kind of quick, but here's some, some next steps. This is like, now, what does this mean for my life? The first is, is this, ask God to show me any hastiness I may have to make a big decision. We've talked a little bit about the pressure you face. We've talked about desires. We've talked a little bit about the what's at stake, but all of us know there's things within us that we're just kind of feeling the pull. Nobody knows that except you for the most part. So is there any place in your life that you're feeling that hastiness to just make a snap decision? Just ask God to show you that. You may already know it, 
And if God brought that up, he's trying to get your attention. So pay attention to that. That's the first next step. Just ask God. And I, we say ask God a lot. So I'm just going to take a little bit out of the... It, it, it doesn't need to be special like language. When I say ask God, it's like, God, am I being hasty in any decisions right now? You don't have to like, dear heavenly one of, you know, just talk to God. Ask him, just like you would ask anyone else. He will hear you. So God, is there any pull? Is there any hastiness in me right now? Will you show me that? That's all you have to ask. And then number two, uh, surrender God's will as your main concern and decision you're making right now. So these are kind of connected. You may have some hastiness. You may have some pull that you want. You just need to figure some things out. There's some pressure. And then the second is, God, I want to do your will in this decision. Commit to that. I want to do your will. And then last but not least, come back next week and invite somebody. A lot of times I have this next step, and it's just a reminder to us. Right? We're living life in the flesh, in the present, and God has you around people that he wants to bridge to. And oftentimes, we are the bridges to those people. It's family, it's friends, it's neighbors, it's coworkers. So part of God's will is he wants you to bridge to people. And so anytime you're a bridge to people, as they can connect to God, you are in the will of God. If you're just confused at what to do, always be a bridge to people. Be someone who brings hope. And that comes with just an invitation. Here's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, make sure it fits the frame. I think we have a slide for that. What are the important guidelines and boundaries to make a decision? So I have a decision to make. What are the things I should consider? Again, it's been a little bit broader, God's will, surrendering to it. But what are the actual kind of framework that I need to be thinking through? And so we'll get a little bit more specific. And then the last week is attention to details. Uh, it's how to seek and know God's will with a decision. So we're just gonna kind of keep going further. So if you're facing pressure right now, if you feel maybe overwhelmed and you're fearful, what if I don't do it the right way? What if I mess up? Or you're filled with regret and you're looking back and you're like, man, I've never, I don't get this decision things right. I make a mess a lot. I believe right now God will use what you're facing to get your attention and to help you if we look to him. And so let's pray that back to God as the band leads us in one more song. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus who set the model and example of knowing your will and surrendering to it. Thank you for the sacrifice he made on our behalf so that we could know you, so that your will can be known and you can be known. We can have a relationship with you that's real right here and right now. God, I pray for just anyone right now who's facing uh, the pull of a big decision and the hastiness is driving them to try to solve it or just there's some passions going on. God, will you just speak? Show us the stakes. Show us the, the crossroads that we're at and the importance of asking what you want us to do. God, I pray in the next few weeks that the decisions that are made 
will impact lives for many generations by doing what you've called us to do. I pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen.